This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on a 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Good morning there. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. The NFL was on our TVs the other night, so it's here. We had the Hall of Fame game, and now we move on to week one of the preseason. We're inching closer and closer, and no better way to get ready all your sports betting angles for the upcoming season than to bring on longtime friend of the program, Adam Chernoff from Right Angle Sports. You can follow Adam on Twitter by his name, at Adam Chernoff, doing great things over at Right Angle Sports, and I uh, highly recommend that you download the RAS app. Uh, Adam, I've I've seen a lot of the great 
free, the keyword free content that you've been throwing out there, some quick videos that I want to follow up. I know you just posted one on Justin Fields. Certainly have some questions about what you expect from Fields this year. Uh, Why don't you tell the early odds audience about the RAS app that they need? Sure. It's good to be back here. And the RAS app is live in the Apple App Store right now. So if you've got an iPhone or an iPad, it's perfect to download. It's just short form text content that covers all the NFL topics, everything that you need to know before betting games. It's free to follow. You can customize your notifications. So you'll get a couple posts a day that reflect the commentary that we have internally as a betting group, as well as my thoughts on the NFL. So there's there's something that you can get every single day value-wise, and it's going to be really good to follow during the NFL season. Adam, I noticed something that I typically do not see before a season gets rolling in the NFL, at least not here in Chicago. There is hype surrounding a Bears quarterback nationally, not as much locally. Yes, locally, it's all about Justin Fields. The success of the team will be determined much by Justin Fields, and Bears fans are hoping he can take that next step. But nationally, it's been more hype. Nationally, it's been about the MVP. I don't hear people (laughs) around Chicago talking about Justin Fields for MVP. It goes from 30-1 to down to 20-1 to due to some of this hype earlier this week. And I know you were taking a deep dive this week, spending some time thinking about Justin Fields in 2023. Uh, What did you come up with? Okay, I got to ask, because I don't have the local Chicago perspective. Is it pessimism or just years of disappointment that is sort of putting a a deterrent on the Justin Fields hype? What's causing that? Oh, I think we've just been hurt enough, Adam. It's just too much. (laughs) We can't take any more pain. No, I, I think there is optimism. There is hope that he can reach a ceiling, but people also have eyeballs, even though I think you could make the easy joke that Bears fans don't know how to evaluate a quarterback because they've never seen a quarterback, which is certainly a fair comment to make. As far as the hype train, I don't think it's here. There's hope, uh, especially with the addition of DJ Moore and surrounding fields with weapons. But, you know, I would say that most people at this moment are looking at it is, all right, it's now or never, man. Because if it doesn't happen this year, the GM of the team did not draft Justin Fields. And remember, the Bears have that Carolina first-round pick next year. So maybe they go quarterback hunting if Fields proves he's not the guy in year three. Do you remember the Trubisky comments a couple years ago when he was most bet on for MVP? Do you remember that happening? Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, that quickly went from 50 to 1 down to 20 to 1. And then before the season was over, he was about 200, 500 to (laughs) 1. And now it's Orlovsky driving the field hype train on ESPN on the national media every single day. So it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Does it not have that same feel? Absolutely does. 100%. I had that immediate thought that, oh man, we're going back to this. I thought there was more hype locally on Trubisky than what we're seeing from fields right now. And what's maybe a little bit interesting is there might be a path. Now this is not endorsing the fields MVP hype i cannot get behind that at all i don't see that happening the bears are not going to win that many games put that on the shelf Mm -hmm. but i think joe from just a passing perspective for fields he's got the arm talent to make any throw that is required of him anywhere on the field so i'm not concerned about that and what gives me a little bit of optimism is next gen stats has a specific stat that is called aggression percentage And what that measures is the percentage of quarterback throws that are to an intended receiver where the nearest defender is one yard or closer. And so it evaluates quarterbacks based on how willing they are to put 
the ball downfield into tight windows. Last year, Justin Fields had the lowest aggression percentage of any quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so when I see that, what it tells me is he's just not been a willing passer. It's not a question of him being wildly inaccurate or not able to make the throws or not able to read the field. I don't think any of that is true. He just hasn't been willing to throw it downfield. And if that is a case of him not having receivers opening up space for him to be willing to put it downfield or receivers that he doesn't trust, then potentially that changes this year with DJ Moore integrated into the offense. I don't think DJ Moore takes this team to 9, 10, 11 wins, but it might give Fields a lot more comfort in the pocket, which means we might see him willing to throw downfield more often than tuck the ball and run. And so when I looked at 2022, I saw some of these numbers you obviously see what's going on in the field with him having this immense talent. Maybe there's a path here where things look different. He says he wants to throw for 4,000 yards. Let's see. Sure. And your first round pick, Darnell Wright, uh, protecting the right side of that line. You mentioned DJ Moore. And also it's the first full offseason for Chase Claypool. You know, you look back a full year ago, Adam, and the number one option on the outside was Mooney. And right, right. now he's probably the third option going into the season. And and that's exactly what I'm sort of getting at there is like, oh, maybe he just didn't trust Mooney to be the number one guy downfield throwing it. And that could very well change with more. Certainly there's sort of subjective comments from coaching staffs and players that it's changing. And if Claypool becomes that guy we remember from Pittsburgh, there's could definitely be some trust within that too. So you can kind of see a path to where it would change, but certainly not MVP level. I think that's way overblown. Uh, let's stick with the NFC North, because if you look at it big picture, okay, you've got the Lions as the favorite, small plus money. I don't think that's a big surprise to anyone in that one plus 130, plus 140 range. Then you get to the Vikings, the team that a lot of people are betting against. Why? The luck factor and all the one-score victories, a perfect record uh, just one year ago. And we've talked about the Bears, and then near the Bears, same number, depending where you look, either the third or the fourth favorite, you've got the Packers. I know you have some thoughts on what Green Bay is going to be under Jordan Love. I think it's going to be a year where it's a divide between what we're hearing from the players and what we're hearing from the coaching staff. And that really makes it sort of unclear for me on, on who's right in this camp of expectation. So you're hearing from the coaching staff that Love is prepared and he's ready to move forward and he's fitting into this offense very well. And then you're hearing from offensive linemen who in training camp are saying that this is going to be a rebuilding year and they're they're sort of focusing on 2024. They haven't explicitly said the latter part, but you hear the word rebuilding from players. And so I, I'm standing here and I'm like, which one is it? Is it just regime changes from Aaron Rodgers onward is not going to matter and love is going to fit in? Or is it this rebuilding year? I tend to agree that it's going to be the latter. And I think that anytime you have a quarterback like Rodgers who is had the franchise and team built around him for 15 years plus now, and he leaves the team. It's so difficult to overcome. And I know love's been there for a couple of years. I just think that that's such an extreme leap to take to assume that that's going to work out. So expectations are low, but I tend to agree with the players here who are saying this is a rebuilding year much more than I do with the coaches who think that it's going to continue on. Do you think the lines win the division? 
Okay. I, <laughs> good question. Good question for you here. You've been doing content and sports media for years. Uh-huh. Do you not feel like the stuff that's being said around Minnesota with the luck is and the the sort of cannot duplicate the single score wins and games that they had and all the comebacks, is that not being repeated and regurgitated across networks more than ever before? Way more. Adam, I think it's too much. It's too much. What We had 13 wins last year, and what's the win total? Eight and a half? Yeah, right. They were extremely lucky, but last I checked, Justin Jefferson is still there. They have a smart organization. We were high on O'Connell a year ago. I, I just think we're at a point right now, if you're betting under eight and a half because of the point differential last year, the, the edge is gone, and it feels like the number's gone way too far. I completely agree. And I think back to like 10, 12 years ago when, when I was still young and getting into this, and this was a real thing where you would hear numbers like that from the injury luck, the single score game victories, the comebacks in the fourth quarter, all of that. That all existed then. But you would have saw the Vikings with a win total of nine and a half or 10 ju- uh, juice to the over. Like it would have been a much different number. And now they come back in the same expectations that they had a year ago. And everybody assumes that they're just going to be significantly worse because of all those things that happened a year ago. I, I just feel like the expectations on the Vikings are so similar to what they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. And with almost any other team going into a second year with all these changes and the talent remaining in place, we wouldn't be looking for downside. So there's like this anchor from what they did last year that's skewing sort of perception of what the team is. So I think that's sort of my stance on the Vikings. And then for the Lions, I think it's sort of the opposite. They had the big sort of increase last year, and everybody's just assuming that that's going to continue on in 2023 just because they didn't make the playoffs. And something that I would point out when looking at the Lions is last year they were a team coming off a very bad season two years ago that everyone was expecting to make the leap. And if you want to look at that season last year and say that that was a legitimate leap forward, fine, I can agree with that. But now we're seeing articles where Ben Johnson is the play caller, rated as the number one play caller in the NFL by a very respected outlet. Dan Campbell is continuously ranked among the best coaches in the NFL. Jared Goff is ranked higher coming into a year than we've ever seen him in his entire career. And I start to question, the Lions last year finished eighth in offensive EPA per play, and defensively, they were 30th. And so if you're saying that this offense is going to increase and continue to improve and get better, are you telling me right now that Jared Goff and this unit of skill position guys is comparable to Buffalo or Kansas City or Philadelphia? Because if you're telling me they're going to improve, that's the category of skill you have to put them in. Personally, I'm not there. And when you're asking the defense to improve, well, let's say that it's a huge improvement year for the Lions. And they go from where they were 31st a year ago. Let's say they jump all the way to 16th. And at the end of the year, it's a dead average defense. Well, if you're telling me that the Lions are going to improve on offense to be a top five unit and they're going to have an average defense, do you know what team also is doing that, Joe? The Kansas City Chiefs. They've been a top five offense and a below average defense for years. I just, I can't get to the spot where I'm saying that Goff and the Lions with Ben Johnson, I can't put them in that that category. And now their win total is higher than ever. I'm not getting to like a strong conclusion on who's going to win. I just think the expectations for the Lions and Vikings 
are really, really skewed the wrong way. And I think these two teams are much closer than being made out to be. And the division's weaker because Aaron Rodgers isn't in the division. I couldn't agree more. I'm with you. Too much disrespect coming the Vikings way. Not saying that it's a prediction that Minnesota is going to go and win the division again. It's just a point about how this is mispriced and the market has just swung to an extreme level, right? I would say that these two teams should be rated and priced equally. Similar. Okay. In the North. That's my take. Yep. I I agree wholeheartedly. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, the score. My guest this morning, Adam Chernoff, Right Angle Sports. Download the RAS app. All right. I saw this video that you posted the other day, Adam, and I'm glad you did because it is a major talking point this offseason. And it's about a change at offensive coordinator in Baltimore going from Roman to Todd Munkin. And what does it really mean? There is a lot of hype surrounding the Ravens right now. And I can get behind trusting Harbaugh and company. And if if Munkin's going to get maybe even the best that we've seen from Lamar MVP season aside, uh, what do you believe when it comes to projecting the Ravens this season? I believe the Ravens are going to be a much more efficient passing offense than they have been in the last couple of years. I believe that Lamar is going to have his best season throwing the football. And I believe that the Ravens are going to be a much more high scoring offense than they have in the last couple of seasons. That Those would be my three beliefs that I'm standing pat on. What I don't necessarily agree with, and I think is maybe getting taken a little bit out of context, is that the Ravens are going to switch to become one of the fastest offenses in the NFL. They've been compared to Chip Kelly and the Eagles by Sal Palantonio on ESPN. I mean, that was the fastest offense we've ever seen in the NFL. A lot of the Munkin comments are being taken, I think, a little bit too far when he's talking about space and tempo and utilizing different formations than what Roman did. People hear the word playing fast and getting to the line quickly and just assume that it's going to be extreme aggression, snap after snap after snap, when in reality, you can break the huddle very quickly or go no huddle, but then be moving guys around at the line of scrimmage and snap the ball with four, five, six seconds left on the play clock just to make it difficult on defenses not to sub. And I think we're going to see the Ravens a lot closer to that than anywhere near to the Chip Kelly offense that was snapping the ball consistently with 22, 21 seconds left on the play clock. And so I don't really buy into that tempo stuff just because Lamar's talked a lot about how his big focus of the offseason is on managing the offense and calling plays at the line of scrimmage. And if it was going to be this offense that it's being described as this hyper quick up-tempo offense, that wouldn't necessarily be the focus because you can't have both where the quarterback's managing the line of scrimmage, but then the coach and play callers also wanting to go very, very quickly. You kind of have to be one or the other. And so I think it's going to be very good. It's going to look very different, but I don't think it's going to be this extremely quick Chip Kelly style offense that it's being described on major media. This is a worst to first league. You get surprise teams every single year. That's how the coach of the year is typically determined. Give me a surprise team or two that you have circled and uh, you are attacking them in multiple ways uh, in betting markets. I've been terrible at the sleeper question and all the media I've done so far. And because I have to cop out and go with the Falcons, but I don't know if that does that count as a sleeper oh, or a surprise. Yes. They may be a team that's getting some buzz right now, and they're in an awful division, but they're not favored to win their division. I would say absolutely they they would qualify as a sleeper. Explain. 
yeah because i guess there was the 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 log jam at seven and ten within the south last year so it's worse to first i guess but i guess they also finished technically in a tie for second but um Mm -hmm. we bet over eight and a half wins we like them to win the division as well around plus 215 everything that we have and i'm speaking on behalf of of the betting group red angle sports i work with uh we had full consensus on the atlanta falcons and it was one of the first bets that we made but also sent out within the service and so there's a couple of reasons why uh the first one we think arthur smith is underrated as a play caller in a pretty big way we don't think that desmond ritter is an above average quarterback but we do think that all things considered within this offense he can play throughout the course of the season to like the 18 to 20 out of 32 mark within the league so just better than like a bottom 10 quarterback we think that if he does that they can go over and then we also think that their schedule is going to play significantly easier than it's listed. Uh, when we're looking for teams on regular season win totals, the way that the schedule is laid out is something that we value quite a bit. Um, and when you look at the Falcons' schedule specifically, of the first 11 weeks, seven of the 11 games are going to be against first-time quarterbacks or rookies. I say first-time is, is first-time quarterbacks with that team or making their first start. For example, Jordan Love with the Packers, has been there, but now he's taking over as the starter. So there's seven of those games for the Falcons, and the four games that are not that scenario, they dodge all of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. So they're facing kind of middle tier, just above average quarterbacks in that regard. So it's a chance for the Falcons to start off really quickly. It's a chance for these new pieces on offense to get integrated and to stack some wins quickly. And then ahead of the Falcons, we think the Saints are the weakest division favorite in the NFL. So it all kind of Sets up really good for Atlanta. The big kicker is going to be Ritter. But we think, again, if he can play to that 18 to 20 mark, the Falcons can contend for 10 wins this season. So that would be my sleeper if it counts and is deemed as such. Oh, sure. That that's that counts as a sleeper. And look, that division people are laughing at and saying anything can happen, which I do understand. I'm oddly interested in it, aside from the Bears angle with them wanting the Panthers to have an awful season, Bryce Young starting from the start, but he doesn't have any weapons on the outside. How's that going to play out? And, and the Bucks are eight to one for the division. Now, I'm sure much of what you were saying about the poor quarterback play that the Falcons are going to be facing includes Tampa twice with whatever happens between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. But the Bucks do still have some talent on that roster uh, with a pretty good offensive line. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin still there on the outside, some players on defense that are talented, but they just haven't been able to stay healthy over the last couple of years. So in a weird way, it is an interesting division. The rumor right now, as we're talking, is that Kyle Trask is the slight favorite to be the week one starter, believe it or not, over Baker Mayfield. So that's really, that's something to me for sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Adam, another thing that I noticed uh, with the content that you were putting out there is that you have a number of opinions on the NFC West, which has San Francisco as a minus 160, minus 165 favorite. That's not a surprise to anyone. Seattle in that two to one range. And then we drop off to the Rams and the Cardinals. I think the Seahawks are going to win the division. And the Cardinals have by far the lowest win total in the NFL. There's nobody in their range. They're at four and a half. I think there's a chance it's not that bad. Maybe it is that bad for the Rams. How do you think the NFC West shakes out? 
So I kind of just quick notes on on all teams here. So the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, and this is quite interesting. They announced Brock Purdy was coming back mm -hmm. and he was going to be the week one starter. And he's been the top guy in camp all season. So like there's there's all this promise around Purdy. But when you think about the last couple of years for Shanahan, there's been really either a changing of guys at the skill positions or a question mark at quarterback. And with Purdy coming back and McCaffrey back and Samuel healthy and Kittle healthy, this is really the first year in about four or five seasons where the entire 49ers offense is set through training camp, through preseason, going into week one. And so I don't think that can be discounted for how good the 49ers offense could be again. So that's a huge positive for the 49ers. For the Seahawks, I think Geno Smith and what he did last year is getting discounted quite a bit. He had a phenomenal season. They added Smith and Jigba in the draft, who's a really good number three route runner out of the slot that's going to open up a ton of space for Metcalf, a ton of space for Lockett. I think that offense for Seattle for another year is going to look really, really good. The Rams are going to be a disaster. Yep. Offensively, they're going to be a lot better than what we saw last year. But defensively, beyond Donald, there's nobody left. It's going to be the worst secondary the Rams have had in years. It's going to be the worst defense McVay has ever had. I think the Rams are going to be just a dead over team week by week. They're going to score a ton of points and give up even more. And then we get to the Cardinals. I don't have a lot of optimism for them getting into the six to seven win range. But when you're looking at how short their win total is at four and a half, Jonathan Gannon takes over as the head coach. And he's a really, really conservative, defensive minded head coach. And so even though they lost a number of defensive pieces, I think their defense is going to be in a spot where they're just playing to try give this team a chance into the later part of second halves of games. They're going to run the ball a ton as they get away from this air raid offense that they've been stuck in with Kingsbury the last couple of years. And so again, optimism, not high, but I actually think it's a decently big coaching upgrade on both sides of the football with Kingsbury out and for what this scheme could be for, for a team that's going to be as disrespected as Arizona is going to be week by week on the point spread, mm -hmm. the way that they play defense just really takes the air out of games and slows things down and just prevents a lot of back and forth scoring situations. I mean, even in like week one, they're getting six points against a really bad Washington team. And so I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities like that where the Cardinals kind of an interesting team to bet on a week to week basis. A couple more minutes with Adam Chernoff here on early odds. Uh, Adam, some people may hear that Sharps love to bet the NFL preseason as much as they can possibly get down. They are going to be betting on all of these games coming up, not just the Hall of Fame game, because you get more information. Coaches, for the most part, are actually honest about what the quarterback rotation is going to look like and expected playing time for a bunch of superstar players. Do you bet the preseason? Do you think there's opportunities uh, for a lot of average bettors to to make some money? 100%. To put it in perspective and go behind the scenes a little bit, we started with week one projections within our team uh, last Saturday. So we knew that the lines were not going to come out until they came out on Thursday this week, but we were expecting them to actually be a day later. But we had all of our work done in, in considering sort of what we expected to see from a point spread in total. We did all of our quarterback rotations. We did all of our coach analysis for every single game for preseason week one a week ago. And so that's how much work we're putting into it. We have 
anywhere between four and five people working full-time, looking at all the different angles, trying to get all the different information from all the different coaches and coordinators for what's going to happen. The big thing that, that we really value here is that sports books have to set a number on every game. They have to put up a point spread. They have to put up a total. And we think that we can find information better than the sports books can. And we know that to be true for us. And we have a team and we're full-time on it, but also if you're a fan of a specific team or you follow a specific division within the NFL that you keep a really close eye on, there's a very good chance that during the preseason, especially right after these odds are posted early in the week, you're going to know something that the sports book does not know. And it's, it's rare that you will ever be in that circumstance during the regular season, but in the preseason, it's certainly possible. So Everyone should be betting the preseason. It's a spot where you have a chance to win, and we've been very successful doing it the last number of years. Adam, a lot more I, I want to get to. Hopefully we can catch up again before the season starts. We still have a, a good amount of time to go, and uh, I, I know you're a very busy man. I just downloaded the RAS app, so I'm looking forward to all this content, uh, and I suggest everyone out there do the same. More and more content coming up as we get inch closer and closer. There'll be a lot of little short form videos posted on Twitter. And then for the app, there'll be something going up every day. As we get into the season, there'll be something a couple times a day within the app. There'll be little betting notes or things that you can take advantage on. So you get the notifications. It's easy to follow. And there'll be a lot of, a lot of good things coming out every single day. Very good. Adam Chernoff, Right Angle Sports. Follow him on Twitter by his name, at Adam Chernoff. Thanks again, Adam. Thanks, Joe. Chat to you soon. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Ostrowski. My name, at Joe Ostrowski. You know, this is the time of year a lot of people come out of the woodwork because they're looking for NFL season bets. So if you like conversations like that one, you can hear or watch me weekdays on BetQL Daily. The show is live 8 to 11 a.m. The network is 105.9 FM HD 2, 105.9 FM HD 2. You can find the BetQL network on the Odyssey app, Twitch for the video streaming, and the BetQL Daily podcast. The Cubs and Sox were both active early this week, and we have a reset of numbers. Let's look at some post-deadline World Series and division odds. That's next on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings 8 to 9 on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL. Welcome back here on a Saturday morning. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Sports Radio 670, The Score. And we bring in our weekly contributor from Hawthorne Racecourse, our buddy Jim Miller at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. Uh, Jim, your White Sox. Let's talk about what they did and did not do at the deadline. A lot of the names we expected to be moved, gone. Maybe some we weren't thinking about, like Berger, gone. You wanted T.A. gone. He's still here. Many wanted Dylan Cease to go, or the White Sox to at least consider that sort of a move. Maybe they considered it. Maybe they didn't. He's still here. The problem is we don't expect there to be a path for them to be a winning team while having Cease under control. But maybe like Quintana and Sale, when people are pushing them to make those moves, they're just going to wait a year longer. Like we always talk about, Jim. We always talk about how they wait a lot of times a year longer than expected. But your overall thoughts on your socks and what they did and did not do. I like the direction they took because the season has been such a disaster. And I remember earlier on in the season, I was really high right around the time when Hendricks was coming back and Crochet was coming back and they kind of had everything in line and were playing good baseball, but you saw how that was short lived. 
And all of a sudden, it changed everything again. The bullpen just became a mess. Starting pitching became a little bit of a mess. But they headed in the right direction. And when I say that, this is a time, like you said, you thought you were there and the window was open, but clearly it's not. So you have to build and you have to build through prospects and you have to get as much as you can. You mentioned a guy like Dylan Cease. Okay, he's having a down year. So maybe the value wasn't great. You almost have to hope he bounces back next year and is pitching like the Dylan Cease of 2022 going into the deadline again. And you're still going to get a haul for him at that point. So I don't mind holding on to him. To me, really the only untouchable was Luis Robert. I wish they had done more in regards to, like you mentioned, Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, guys like that who you think you can still get something for only because they are probably not going to be around again when it comes time to win. So headed in the right direction, massively, massively, wildly disappointing season. But I like the fact that at least they were willing to deal and deal for prospects, not for guys that are already in the bigs right now. It has been a down year for Cease, but I wonder what brings the most value when it's been a down year, but he has turned the corner over the last couple of months and you have two and a half years of control or less control, but he's looking better. Maybe it looks better going into the off season with two years of control or at the next deadline with a year and a half left. Because one thing we do know, unfortunately for you as a Sox fan, that he's not going to be here long-term because he's not going to get that sort of a contract. It's the reality that a lot of Sox fans hate. Um, we, we commended the Cubs at the time. I wasn't sure that they were going to continue to add. I thought it would be tweaks. But at the end of the day, they end up getting the best position player in the market. It's almost twofold. All right, you kept the guys that you wanted to keep. Cody Bellinger, Marcus Stroman. Look at the impact Jamer Candelario has had for the Cubs. It's been massive. And this is a team when you're in a division where nobody else did anything at all. And that's the thing that could be the determining factor in the end. A couple of moves just to shore up a couple of positions, getting healthy at a time where a lot of teams are not healthy. And yeah, it's a little blip, I would say, for Marcus Stroman, just taking a brief stint on the IL. But you know what? Maybe it's more of a freshening than anything to get ready for the stretch run. So I don't really mind it. But I like the direction the Cubs have gone. I like the moves that they made. And I think this is a team that has potential to compete the rest of this season. Yep, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And look at them right now. Look at the run differential. I, I've talked so many times about how unlucky I thought much of the first half was for them. It's coming together right now. Once Strowman comes off that injured list, if he can revert to what he was earlier in the season, watch out. Much of this year, Jim, it was, okay, they have the pitching, they have the defense, the offense is lacking. And they have been the best offense in the second half of the season. And it really isn't even all that close. Their numbers are close to Braves and Dodgers, the yeah. elite offenses in the game. So I, you can't expect them to score 20 and 16 each night. But, hey, uh, maybe they can continue to put up a bunch of crooked numbers. And that's only helping the pitching and the defense. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score here with Jim Miller. Talking some MLB futures post deadline we have the information right maybe you'll have some injuries down the stretch but now the movement is done with the big names and jim if we look at the world series odds just to set the table a little bit those two great teams that i just mentioned in the national league they are still your first and second favorites you didn't have any of these al teams that made moves for starting pitching leapfrog anyone it's still the braves they're the favorite a ridiculously short number a plus 325, and the Dodgers are still the second favorite. And then it's a run of American League teams. The Astros, 
with Justin Verlander, seven to one as your third favorite. Fourth favorite, the Rays at eight to one. The Rangers, very active. They're the fifth favorite, nine to one. Then we get into the Orioles and Blue Jays. Then it starts to drop a little bit. You get the Phillies at 21 to one. The Twins, 31, which I don't understand. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Giants, 32 to one. And even though they're outside the playoff picture, Big number because they have a lot of big stars out in San Diego. The Padres are 40 to 1. Where do you want to start? All right. Well, let's start in one division, and that division is the AL West. It's Texas. It's Houston. Now, you can't really play either of them to win the division because there's no value there. Both of them are minus money. But both made huge additions, and these are additions because you're talking veteran pitchers who are still solid but are both nearing the end of their career. So these are both win-now moves. Now, the thing is, you don't really want to play to win the division because it's most likely one team's going to win the division, the other's going to be in via wild card. So mm -hmm. then you have to look beyond that and you look to the AL pennant because here's the thing, the American League East really didn't do a whole lot at the trade deadline and they are going to beat each other up through the remainder of the season. I love the Baltimore Orioles. I think the Orioles are on the rise. I just don't think they're there yet. So I think the winner of the American League comes from one of these two teams. So Texas right now to win the AL, plus 350 Houston plus 340 so if you like one of those two teams to me that is where the play comes from after that you look to World Series odds Houston is seven to one Texas is eight to one but it's high-powered offenses it's teams that are pitching deep you have teams that now added pitchers and Verlander and Scherzer who have big game playoff experience those are major factors for teams that I think could be really the top two contenders, the leaders in the American League. And I think one of those two teams does go to the World Series. I get where you're coming from because the two buys are going to come from the East and the West. So whichever team ends up winning the West, you're, you're saying is going to be stronger than the team coming yep. out of the East. Because if it's Baltimore, if it's Tampa, you prefer that team, whether it be the Rangers or the Astros. Commend the Rangers Good job. I thought they actually won the deadline. A lot of people pointing to Verlander coming down uh, to the very end, and then he goes right back, and there, there's a lot of health there. But you're seeing some healthy position players returning for the Rangers as well. I also love the fact that they didn't sit there and feel sorry for themselves that they missed out on a DeGrom season. They went out and said, okay, let's add. Let's go get Montgomery on the, on the left side. Let's get Scherzer on the right side because we have everything else. Let's just get that starting pitching. And it's a year where you, you've had guys like Dane Dunning really step up. He's been so, good. Yeah, man. I love what the Rangers have done, and they have the best run differential in the American League. All right, what else are you thinking as far as futures? This isn't drunk talk anymore. This, this is talk about results. We've talked about the team. What about the Cubs? Think about it. There's talk now of Cody Bellinger being in the mix for, say, the top three players for MVP voting. Justin Steele's been really good. Stroman's been solid all season long. Kyle Hendricks is coming back. And you look at, okay, they're almost a plus 80 for run differential when everyone else in that division is minus. But I've seen the Brewers in action. I don't expect anything out of them. And I think the Reds' run is kind of over a little bit and was probably hampered by putting 30, having 36 laid on them over the course of two games by the Cubs. But you're still looking at the Cubs at plus 260 for the division, at 34 to 1 for the NL. And that's anywhere from 80 to 100 to 1 to win the World Series. And, yeah, that's dreaming. But if you're dreaming, you want to dream at odds of 80 to 100 to 1 and not 15 to 20 to 1. So why not for a team that you know has the pitching depth? You basically need three starters, maybe a fourth. Okay, they have that. 
they have some veteran leadership. You have guys like Cody Bellinger. Jamer Candelario has been very good. Then you have Horner's been good. Ian Happ has been solid. All these guys are just stepping up time and again and again. But you know the offense is good. The pitching is there. And they're getting healthy at a time when, again, other teams are not. I think there's value across the board for the Cubs in all three plays. Okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. If you're going to take a team like the Cubs to win the National League, you might as well take them for the World Series because the World Series odds are almost 3x. So why wouldn't you do that at 101 if you're going to buy in like that? Earlier this week, Jim, they're plus 550. That value for the division is gone. We've been consistent. We've been saying all season long that we think the Cubs can win this division. And what happened at the deadline? The two teams they're chasing didn't do much of anything. Why? I don't get that, man. We saw that with a number of teams. Look across the two centrals. What did Cleveland, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, what did they do? I mean, with the Cincinnati angle, it kind of feels like they felt like, hey, we've got all these great young players. We're not going to trade them away. We're going to be great for a long time. Jim, you know better than anyone as a Sox fan, it doesn't work like that. Just because you get all these guys under contract for a longer, long period of time doesn't mean they're all going to develop into the superstars that you project them to be. We thought that was going to be the case when you had Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez signed a long-term contracts within a week of one another a few years ago. Yep. That's the thing about it. And here's what you tend to wonder about. Does it have to do with the market they're playing in? These are some what are considered smaller market teams in Major League Baseball. We've talked all season long how we thought the Brewers, even if they had the lead at the break, could possibly be sellers only for the fact that you don't think they're going to be able to pay big money to those starting pitchers that are going to want the big money. So maybe they don't think they can compete necessarily, and their lineup really is not great. Like I said, Cincinnati, it's so much youth. You tend to wonder if even management has said, okay, maybe we're a year ahead of ourselves a little bit here. How much do we really want to go out there and kind of mortgage the farm system for this year when we think we are going to have a sustained run and might be an ill-advised move? But I do think that both of these teams come back. The Brewers have already come back, but I do expect to see that Cincinnati is going to do so as well. And the Cubs, it's just got to be consistent baseball because, again, this is a division where wins and say, the mid to upper 80 total is probably going to be enough to win that division too. Well, I'd also say this, Jim, that a lot of times when you talk about the worst divisions in baseball, both centrals are mentioned. Why? Because of the worst in each league. However, the National League Central is much, much better than the American League Central. Yes. I, don't, I don't think it's even all that close because in the standings, yeah, the Cubs are third, but Reds, Brewers, Cubs. Would the Cubs be the best team in the AL Central? Yes, far. they By would far. be. Yeah, the American League Central is in the basement, and it's not close. And I think it's a little unfair to the NL Central that we lump them into the same conversation. The Cardinals are selling. They had pieces for the future. The Pirates have some decent young players. But, yeah, you look at the bottom of the AL Central, Tigers, White Sox, where else? It's pathetic. And here's the thing. You look at it, and that's what makes you so disappointed about the White Sox because it is such a terrible division at a time when they're down. And the White Sox have probably had the most disappointing season really in Major League Baseball this year because mm-hmm. they were expected to be pretty good. So that's the thing about it. Yeah, the, those NL Central teams, the upper tier, I mean, you could probably even go as deep as saying the Cardinals would probably be one of the best teams in the AL Central too. What do you think about the Padres? Their World Series number is 40-1. to 1. Yeah, they're further back than the Cubs in the wild card, but they could go on some sort of a run. You want to talk about unlucky? You look at their run differential? It's right there with the Cubs. So yep. in, in a sense, you could say they've had similar seasons, extra inning games. They haven't won one all year. It's been ridiculous. They're recorded one run games. 
I wonder if the Padres are the team that's going to turn it around at some point. Maybe they're the Phillies of last year. Well, remember when the Cardinals a few years ago made that crazy run to get into the playoffs where they won like 16 straight, and it's yeah. not going to require 16 straight because, again, you just need to get in as a wild card. But it kind of looks a little bit like Arizona starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know the Dodgers are solid. The, the Giants have been a little bit disappointing. The Padres, I mean, you're sending out a pitcher in Snell every every five days. That is basically a W. So then you have to worry about the other four, but they have so much talent. They have so much ability. They're a team that definitely can make that run. And they're another scary team where if they just sneak in, that's all you have to do. Sneak in because you have those arms there. You can win a short series and then you can extend out to a longer series and get on a hot streak and definitely make a run. You know, if my team makes the playoffs, I would rather be in the National League than the American League. And I know and you have those juggernauts at the top in the Braves and the Dodgers. But the thing is, on the AL side, you have that depth. It doesn't mean you're going to face the Braves and the Dodgers if you were to get all the way to the NLCS. You could avoid one of them. Who are you avoiding in the American League side? I mean, it's one team after another with the Orioles and the Rays and the Rangers and the Astros. It's it's just nonstop, not to mention the Blue Jays. That's the thing. The, the, the only team that's going to luck out on the AL side is whoever plays the AL Central winner early on. Yep. After that, it's going to be a battle all the way through, and you're going to have to have top performances each and every night out. There's not going to be those blowout games. So that's the thing. Whoever can kind of get that first draw and get the AL Central winner will, will basically be in the driver's seat. After that, every series is tough. I don't know if it's the rule changes. I was debating this a little bit this week, but we've reached August, and the baseball season is thriving. It's not a countdown to, oh, my God, I can't wait till football gets here. And maybe it's because we have five really good division races. Whatever it is, Jim, it feels like baseball is doing very, very well this year. And we're not just, okay, let's just get to the end. It's been a slog of a season. Oh, these are the dog days. I don't hear people talking about the dog days except for Sox fans. So I've watched more. (laughs) But here's the thing. I've watched more baseball. I've attended more baseball games this year than I have in the last 10 years combined. And it's because of pace of play. It's something where there's always something going on. Things are moving along. It's so much more enjoyable to watch. And that's the thing. I think the pitch clock has been the best thing that has come along to baseball because you can sit there and enjoy a game for two hours, 20 minutes. It's different from when you're watching a game that's three hours and 30 or three hours and 40 minutes. Been so much more enjoyable to watch this season. Great point. And I've noticed it with my kids. They want to watch baseball. They're bugging me to change the channel to baseball uh, when it's not on on a weekday night. So I, I, think it's pretty interesting baseball's doing well i'll credit theo not rob manford okay (laughs) all right jim what are we thinking about the horses today all right so we're looking sunday at hawthorne and i'll tell you why there's going to be three plays on sunday at hawthorne first off race two we're going to bet the six gallant buck across the board at five to one race five we're going to bet the six sawyer fox across the board at four to one and then race number seven we have a high five carryover which means you have to pick the first five in order but that carryover is $185,000, and it's a mandatory payout, so there could be a half a million in this pool. The horse I'm going to key on top in race seven on Sunday is the five, McMoney, at six to one. Take that one, spread out underneath for your wagers, and see if you can get a huge score. Very good, Jim. We saw the NFL on our TVs the other day. We're inching closer and closer. Now we get preseason games every week leading right into the season. Uh, talk again next week. Jim Miller, at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter. Thanks, you, buddy. You got it. Good luck. Survivor just around the corner. And if you missed my NFL conversation earlier this hour with Adam Chernoff, one of the sharpest bettors around, highly recommend you use a rewind feature on the Odyssey app or download it in podcast form. I'll tweet out the direct link from my account at Joe Ostrowski at Joe Ostrowski. 
Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw is next. Cash those tickets and keep it locked right here on 670 The Score. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.